You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross, your host, and this is episode number 193. As always, I have an amazing guest today. I just feel so lucky at all the wonderful people I get to chat with on this podcast. Her name is Stacy Sims. She's the host of the long-running and award-winning podcast, Diabetes Connections. She started writing and speaking about diabetes just after her toddler was diagnosed with type 1 back in 2006. She's an author and a speaker and spent most of her career in local news. So welcome, Stacy, and what an important podcast you're doing. Oh, thank you so much, Kirsten. It's great to be here. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, thank you. So uh, let's just dive right in and you know, tell me specifically about all the work that you're doing and, and what impact you're, you're working to make. I know we know the genre of it, but what all you're, are you doing in the, in the world of uh, advocacy for diabetes? Sure. Well, you know, it's funny. I think when somebody in your family or your circle is diagnosed with type 1 after what used to be called juvenile diabetes, which basically means you're going to have to inject or infuse insulin, you know, every time you eat or, you know, several times a day, it's, it's a very intensive condition. And when that happens, what, what seems to happen to many people is after they kind of get the hang of it, they look up and say, well, how can I help? It's the most amazing community. And so whatever your, your talent or your skill is, it just seems to me that, you know, athletes jump in and, you know, celebrities will, will fundraise and, um, people who have engineering skills will try to make the technology better. And people like me who talk for a living, um, you know, try to find a way to make an impact. And so I started the podcast because I was, I was frustrated that there wasn't a better source of information. Because chances are, if you've seen something about diabetes on the news, it's been like in the last year, it's been, oh my gosh, all these, you know, it's so dangerous to have diabetes and COVID. But chances are there's been no breakdown of what type of diabetes or why or anything like that. And, you know, before COVID, if there was a diabetes news story, it was about, you know, obesity or lifestyle choices or, you know, a joke about hashtag diabetes with dessert. And there just wasn't a lot of news. So I started my podcast in 2015 because I wanted to hear more about what was going on in research and technology. And my background was in journalism, so I knew I would be able to kind of figure out how to do that. And it's been amazing. I've done this now for almost six years. It's led me to speaking and writing and, and speaking out on more things in the community and more issues. Um, interestingly, you know, it was never really about my family. My son was diagnosed, as you said, as a toddler right before he turned two. He's now 16. And we don't talk a ton about him on the show. But it's not so much my family's story, although he is really doing great. Um, it's more about, you know, what I can share in terms of information. That's amazing. And, and uh, I'm really glad that your son's doing well. I'm Thank so happy you. to hear that. I know that anytime, you know, I, I had a son who was struggling with a, an autoimmune disease mm. a, as a teen. And, and that, 
it was so frustrating. Yeah. Like not being able to find information. And I can imagine with diabetes, you know, even the difference between type one and type two, if you're not living it, you're not probably paying too much attention to all of that. So I would think that maybe the stigma or misinformation or misconceptions all around diabetes might be frustrating too. And I'm sure you're helping with that as well. I, I hope so. Do you want to do a quick explainer about the different types? Because yeah. I know before it was in my family, I had no idea. Okay, yeah, great. absolutely. <laughs> All right. So there's lots of, there's, there's actually more than 10 or 15 types of diabetes. So I won't go through okay, all Okay. You're of them. blowing my mind already. <laughs> I, I know, mean, right? I've, yeah. <laughs> I think most people are familiar with type one, type two, and gestational. So we'll keep on that. And then I have a, I have a surprise one that I'll, I'll share oh, with boy. you. <laughs> I know, but it's important. Yeah. Okay, so it's all about how your body responds to glucose, to sugar, to the food that we eat. You know, we tell little kids that, you know, good food is the fuel that makes your body go. You know, you put fuel in the car and it goes. So we put good food into your body and that's your energy. Well, what happens with type 1 diabetes is that it's an, it's an autoimmune condition. So for some reason, they do not know what triggers it. And it can happen at any age. My son was not yet two. My friend was 70. So you never know how old you're going to be to get type one. But for some reason, the body attacks the cells in the pancreas that, that do the job of controlling insulin and glucose. And basically, we need insulin to break down the glucose that's in food. If that insulin is not released, the glucose, the sugar that we eat, and it doesn't have to be in sugary food, any food, it's all broken down into glucose. If our bodies can't break it down, it just, it's, this is a very lay person way to describe it, but it just floats around. And all of that sugar not being broken down in your body is deadly for your organs. So if type one diabetes isn't treated, if you don't inject or infuse insulin when, you know, and I, as I said earlier, several times a day, you will die within weeks. It's, it's very serious stuff. So type two diabetes, and it, it's interesting because I feel like every year I learn more about type two diabetes. We used to say, well, we're not really sure it's lifestyle, you know, sedentary, overweight. Um, and what happens is for many reasons, the body still produces insulin, but it doesn't uh, react well to it. So in other words, you're still producing insulin, but you're not breaking down the glucose as effectively. And what they found out about type two is that it is incredibly genetic. So it's not just about being overweight or everyone who's overweight would have type two. So there's much more to that, but in a very simplified way, you're still producing insulin. You're just not processing it correctly. And the, the surprise one on gestational <laughs> diabetes is, you know, you're pregnant right. and you know, we've all, I think anyone who, any woman who's been pregnant, you know, drink the that, stuff. Yeah. Right. That sugary, <laughs> disgusting drink. That's your glucose tolerance. I think test. no one forgets that. Cool. <laughs> Interestingly, the, the having gestational diabetes does increase your own risk of having type 2 later in life. So that's just something that's a happy thing to keep in mind later. But what I'd like to also make sure to talk about is there is another kind of diabetes called LADA, uh, latent, uh, adult, latent autoimmune diabetes in adults. Hmm. It's also referred to as 1.5 diabetes because it's kind of in between. And what's tricky about LADA is that it presents slowly. So it kind of looks like type two. It kind of comes on slowly, but once you have it, it acts like type one. Mm. So they're now thinking this is really type one diabetes that is just coming on less acutely in adults. And it's really insidious because generally speaking, people are misdiagnosed for years and years. Something like 30% of adults with type one or LADA 
are misdiagnosed and are told they have type two and the treatment is completely different. I mean, my son could go on a diet and eat nothing but salad all day and, and run marathons and he would still need insulin. Hmm. And so if you tell a person who has type one that, oh no, you have type two, you just need to go on a diet or you need to eat better, you need to exercise. It's very, very dangerous. So if you're an adult listening, you're thinner, you have do, you've done everything your doctor has told you, you know, they've told you you have type two, you're taking metformin or whatever, and your A1Cs are not coming down and you feel like garbage, ask them about LADA or type 1.5 because it's amazing how many times that's missed. So that's the big soapbox talk. <laughs> well, and that is so important because that's got to also be frustrating. I mean, it's already frustrating, I'm sure, if you have some yeah. kind of illness or disorder that people are basically saying like it's your fault and there's something you can do about it and you're just making bad choices. So then you're trying to make all the right choices, still not creating the outcome. And then they're still wanting you to <laughs> make yeah, different no. choices and here that's not what's going on at all. Yeah. And that's, you've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I have a lot of friends in the diabetes community who are misdiagnosed and they, they say they're, they're embarrassed, they're ashamed, you know, they, they're, they're made to feel like they're doing it all wrong. And yeah. I think that that's just horrible. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of diabetes is in this country is, oh, if you just ate better, right. you'd be fine. You know, and if it were that easy, I always say we'd all be a size two. Right, right. Anyway. And then now I'm sure I, I again, I very baby knowledge of this, <laughs> but I have seen through friends the pumps and the, you know, just the improved technology where it's monitoring and giving you what you need. And now it, um is part of your advocacy and awareness, uh, like do doctors stay really up on all the latest technology or do patients need to be, you know, good consumers and, and do their own research about the updates? Oh my God, what a great question. It's a little bit of both. I would say that in the last five to eight years, the pendulum has swung to the point where patients now are so much better informed that they're coming in to the endocrinologist's office and they're asking for what they need. The problem is that most adults with diabetes, any kind, are treated by general practitioners. Now, it's not a slam on general practitioners. It's just that they're not specialized enough. Mm -hmm. So they may not know that there are different kinds of technologies out there. You mentioned insulin pumps, continuous glucose monitors. Um, these things are absolutely incredible. You know, And it's not only that you just have to write a prescription, but quite often your doctor has to help you through the insurance process to make sure these things are all covered because they're very costly. Mm. So if you don't have a knowledgeable endo on your side, it's, it's very frustrating because, I mean, one of the things that I've learned over the years of doing my show, my audience is really experienced in technology and super engaged and interested in it. So I do a lot on the newest stuff that's coming out. Um, and they are, I mean, I've had endocrinologists talk to me and say, oh, I didn't know about this until my patient told me. And now I listen to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It is, it's moving quickly. And it's, it's interesting because about almost 10 years ago now, really, the diabetes community started moving ahead on its own. In other words, patients and families started looking at the technology that was available and saying, we could do a better job. And, you know, when I said in the beginning, we all bring our skill set to it, I, I wasn't kidding. You know, people who are engineers and computer scientists, they formed a movement and you can follow this. It's the hashtag is we are not waiting. And uh, really in 2013, it, it got really cooking because they started finding each other and they created um, systems that made pumps and continuous glucose monitors communicate. They created their own software. They hacked, I hate that word, but they mm -hmm. hacked into old pumps. 
And it wow. is now to the point where the very first do-it-yourself system is, as we speak, is in front of the FDA. Oh, so wow. So by the end of 2021, we could have the very first DIY, what started as a non-commercial open source. Anybody could slap it into their phone. Oh. Um, it could be approved by the FDA this year. So it, it's just a fascinating, as you can tell, I get really excited and interested in this stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, seriously, that is so interesting because how often do you see, I mean, the you know, we're definitely used to, you know, the term hacking and DIY and um, open source <laughs> when right. we talk it's software and computers, but anything attached to health, we haven't seen that before. So that is really amazing. Taking things really into their own hands. Yeah, well, the, the problem with, with type one, especially, and I was reluctant with my child to use the DIY software only because my concern was what happens at two in the morning when it craps out and I don't know what I'm doing. It's not, it's not in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And, and we were able to do okay with what we had for a long time. But there were a lot of people who felt it is so difficult to get blood sugar under control that it's actually more dangerous not to use the DIY systems because it, they really work amazingly well. And, you know, just to be able to sleep through the night and not have your blood sugar go high or low is almost, I mean, if you're listening, you've type one, you're nodding, right? It's almost miraculous to sleep through just one night without a mm. low or a high. And, you know, my son is now on a commercial system that is more automated. And that system has only been out for a little bit more than a year as you and I are talking. And it's not fully automated. And it's probably one of the most advanced on the market. There's nothing that's fully automated, unfortunately. And I still think it's incredible that we all sleep through the night almost every night. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that the technology is helping for sure. So I can't imagine the impact that you've made in these last six years and the work that you've done in the podcast. And then of course, prior to the podcast, when I know you were still blogging, etc. Yeah. So if you think back, because I always say like, think back to those couple or, you know, one or two instances where you really made that impact and it can continue to fuel your passion, you know, through those tough days, what keeps you going. So can you think back to, you know, one big impact that you're really extra proud of that really fuels your passion? Sure. Um, I can think of, I can think of two, if you don't mind. Oh, sure. Um, one, of course. One was through the podcast and one was just being, being a mom. So the, the podcast several years ago, I talked to Mark Andrews, who is an NFL player. I think he's with the Baltimore Ravens and he, he lives with type one. He's had it since he was a kid. And he came on the show and we talked for a while and he was fantastic. And then I, I read, there was actually a newspaper article about it a couple of weeks later. Some family had heard it and their kid had been struggling with type one and, and really down with it and had heard the podcast and had reached out and Mark Andrews people, and they had connected him and, you know, I don't know if he had a phone call or whatever. And then the kids started raising money for a camp in his area. Aww. And it just changed the whole thing around. And then he wound up raising enough money to send a couple of kids to diabetes camp. And it was so cool because nobody had contacted me about that. You know, no one had said, hey, we heard the show and we did this. I heard about everything afterward. Mm -hmm. And it was just amazing because they didn't do that to get written up in the newspaper. And if they hadn't written the article, I never would have known. Yeah. So it was really nice to think about, well, what else is going on out there? And then another one that I, I really feel good about can we just stop for one quick yeah, second? Like, let's just celebrate the ripple effect. <laughs> we just have to. I mean, isn't that, gosh, because that's where, like, our, our you know, our impact lives on. 
because it's moved from you to others and, and more is happening. So I just had to take a quick, quick moment of celebration on that. (laughs) I appreciate that. I think it really is easy to let it slip by and I'm guilty sometimes of like, yeah, that was fun, but yeah, (laughs) moving on next thing. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. All right. Now the next story, now the next story, (laughs) but yeah, we just had to take that moment. One of the things that we do in my family that's a bit unusual is that my son has gone to uh, what I call regular sleepaway camp, um, non-diabetes camp. We always felt that it was really important for, you know, diabetes to kind of be in the background and to do as much as we possibly could that he wanted to do that, you know, wasn't just all about diabetes. So we sent him to, since he was about eight years old, he's gone away to camp. And when he got a little older, it was about a month long. And it was pretty difficult and it was very unusual to send a kid that young to sleepaway camp that that wasn't for diabetes, but we did it. And that's a long story. And about three years in, um, I got a phone call during the winter from a local kid, from his mom, and he had been at the same camp and he had just been diagnosed with type one. And she said, I called you because the first thing he said is, can I go back to my camp? And she said, well, Benny does it, you know, my son. Mm -hmm. So I don't see why not. And she said, I think if your son hadn't already done that, we wouldn't have known that he could have. Mm-hmm. And that was just one person. But it it made me so happy because knowing somebody else in the same situation, whether it's diabetes or anything else, mm-hmm. right? Knowing somebody else has done it yep. makes such a big difference. And of course, that kid went back to camp. I mean, nobody went to camp this summer, but, you know, or last summer, what are you going to do? But, you know, knowing that we made it easier for that family because I'm a huge, huge supporter of camp. I think camp is so important for kids and, and parents. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> that is amazing. And, and again, that, that ripple effect, and that's kind of your son also being a role model, you know, through your family. I mean, so that's, we do, you know, on the show, we do lots of, we spread the word about everything, right? We do fundraisers and we do causes and we talk about, you know, huge campaigns like the price of insulin and, and things like that. But to me, those smaller stories, those little one-on-ones, for whatever reason, just make it really crystallize the difference that you can make rather than sometimes the big stuff. Yeah. So tell me, I mean, everyone who's out there making an impact has some kind of challenge to overcome. So what's been your biggest internal or external challenge? How have you overcome it? You know, I think I think sometimes... The challenge I face is which, and it sounds silly and I'm hesitating because it sounds a little silly to people who aren't inside the diabetes community, but I'll say it anyway. It's like, which aspect of this do I want to take on? Because you'd think, well, it's just type one diabetes, right? But I've already listed like 10 issues. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I don't think, yeah, no, I'm totally on board. I mean, scope creep, come on. I mean, (laughs) that happens everywhere where... Yeah, you really have to choose where you're going to place your focus. It's very difficult. And what's interesting, too, is there's lots of terrific causes, um, and they each have their own focus, you know, research, cure, community, access to technology, access to insulin, um, you know, racial disparity, economic disparities, you know, just beat the drum of awareness, awareness to the people who don't have diabetes at all mm-hmm. into the outside community. So one of my biggest challenges really has always been focus. Um, you know, we, we've been very, very fortunate when my son was diagnosed, we were already a, a bit educated about diabetes only because I used to work in radio 
and I was the MC every year for the JDRF, which is the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, for their golf tournament in my town every year. So oh, I actually gosh. knew a bunch of people, <laughs> right? So it was crazy. But I knew people with type 1, and I knew they were living well. So that worry was kind of taking care of me for me at first. We've also always had very good health insurance. You know, we, we had access, and we were okay. So my entry into the world was different. And we were very fortunate about that. But I think that was the, that's the big, all of that to say, the challenge for me has always been the focus. What am I going to talk about? What am I going to think about? Where am I going to put my energy? And, and the challenge for that, the way I've addressed it is what is, what seems important at the moment, where can I really make an impact? You know, how can I help and stay focused? And then with the podcast, I actually, when I, you know, five and a half years ago, that really helped me because it became a way to serve my listeners, which are a specific part of the diabetes community. Mm-hmm. And once I, once I put that in focus, as long as I can figure out what they are most interested and passionate about, it really helps me decide, as long as I'm aligned with that as well, where I want to put my energy. So really listening, and I guess to broaden it out, you could say, you know, rather than listeners, what, what are your constituents most passionate about? What are their biggest problems? What is important to them? And then I kind of follow from there. And I find those things out. You know, I have a Facebook group. I have a newsletter that I send out and I, and I talk to these people. I, I actually communicate with them. We've had Zoom calls and it, it's been really great to help me focus. So of those things that you listed, uh, where do you find yourself spending time? And it really begs the question for me, how do you make sure that you don't end up with that scope creep where you can feel overwhelmed? Because, they're, you know, with all the yep. different potentials and all that is involved in each one of those streams, you know, how do you, how do you decide and, and not feel overwhelmed? Well, I'll give you a couple of answers. I think the first is that having the journalism background, I do feel that my main role is to be a conduit for information and for other people's stories. You know, I'm the kind of person who goes to an event and kind of hangs back and thinks, oh, what's going on? You know, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. observe, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very social, but if I'm there to work, you know, I'm, I'm there in, in journalism mode. And my show is the same way. So I'm there to share everybody else's story. Um, but the way, what I have decided to focus on is um, in, in the podcast, I've decided on getting the best information I can because, and this may sound immodest and I, I don't mean it to be, but so far there's nobody else in the community with the access and the ability or seeming ability to ask the questions that I do. I'm totally independent. I don't work for a diabetes company or charity. Mm-hmm. So I can have the different companies on and ask them a whole bunch of questions. Yeah. Um, you know, and I can follow up. I can, uh, and I've, and now the feedback that I've gotten has been tremendous because, you know, it's one thing to let an, an insulin company come on and say, hooray, we've dropped the price because of the pandemic temporarily. But mm-hmm. then you have to be able to say, well, why not keep it forever? Yeah. You're still, you know, you know, mm-hmm. and I've done that. You know, we've, we've really had Good. I'm glad to hear you're asking that question. <laughs> Ask him about the EpiPens while you're at it, too. No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It's unbelievable. So, you know, things like that. I will tell you that my, my community outward face, um, when I speak to people who are not in the diabetes community, Interestingly, I have found there's the two issues that I bang the drum on most are LADA, which I've already brought up on this show, right? Yeah, which yeah. is like, because so many people don't know about it and they yeah. have it, they don't understand. Um, and the other one is insulin affordability. 
And yeah. I've over the years, I've been able to bring that up because yes, if you have, you know, insurance and you've met your deductible, you're not paying a lot, right? But if you don't have decent insurance or you're in between jobs or you're of a certain age or different things, it is unbelievable. And it crosses, really crosses uh, political lines. People get mad when I say this, but uh, no president in the last 30 years has done anything about the price of insulin. So the price has gone up 300%. Mm. You know, states are just beginning to take it on. Um, federal government doesn't seem to want to touch it. But what I, oh, and despite what you heard, there has been no executive order by Trump or Biden that changed things. So don't at me, but <laughs> I'll send you all the facts. On that. I wish, I wish somebody had yeah. signed something to change the yeah. But I'll tell you, I run a local group and the stories that I usually talk about to educate are, I'm a nice suburban lady. I drive a minivan. I live in a cul-de-sac and I have made many a run with insulin in my purse to meet somebody I've never met before at a gas station to give them extra insulin that somebody gave me that was expired or sitting in their fridge or they had extra to get them through another month because they can't afford it. It happens every single day. And it's ridiculous Mm. that that has to happen. I don't know if it happens in the EpiPen market. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. (laughs) And I don't know. Passing each other around. Um, and, and keeping it, we're, I mean, it's unbelievable. One yeah. in four Americans with, who uses insulin rations it. Yeah. That is just, I don't, I don't know. Well, we, <laughs> I just we don't, don't even know what to say. It, yeah. yeah no. I wish. Yeah. That is, that is one of those, like, how, how is this possible? So, yeah. Um, oh, so <laughs> let's, um, can you share? So normally I would ask you, how do you stay motivated and moving during tough times? But I feel like I want to ask, and without, of course, sharing too much, like anything that would, you know, your son wouldn't want you to, but like, what does he do to stay motivated and moving? And how, you know, are there downtimes for him with, with diabetes, et cetera? Oh, what, I love this question because, you know, I, I joke sometimes that I have rose colored glasses on. You know, we were so lucky when he was diagnosed and that I knew people who were doing well, right? Mm-hmm. If your introduction to this is with people who are not thriving or, you know, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, my father died of that, you know, or, you know, he was diagnosed 50 years ago and this happened. It's very different. But we were diagnosed at a time when I knew people who were really able to lift me up. And I think that affected him as well. He's doing great. Um, but I think it's important to acknowledge that there are some really hard times you know, we have never been a family where I, I, I hope I have never said diabetes can't stop us. You know, you can do it all. Diabetes can't stop you. Diabetes can definitely stop you in your tracks. Um, it has not stopped him overall. Mm-hmm. He plays every sport. He's done everything he wants to do. He just got his driver's license recently. I sent him away to camp. But there's a lot of slogging. You know, this kid is still stabbing himself with needles, Mm. um, you know, with a pump and with a continuous glucose monitor. You're not taking daily or even hourly injections. When he was two, he was on. Before we got a pump, he was taking about 10 injections a day. Oh, gosh. Yeah. The crazy thing was I feel bad for you, too. Poor mommy, huh? Those first two weeks were horrible. Horrible. He got used to it very quickly. But those first two weeks, we just had to hold him down. It was terrible. Terrible. Mm. Um, but with an insulin pump, you're basically connecting it to your body with, I wouldn't call it a port, but it's pretty close to that. That's what most people kind of think of it as. But he has to give himself the equivalent of a pretty big needle every three days to insert mm. that. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with the continuous glucose monitor, which is like once a week or once every 10 days. 
So it's better, but you know, he's still stabbing himself and it sometimes really hurts and it sometimes doesn't work. And then Mm. he's walking around with these two things on his body, which he's really used to, but they get snagged in doorways. People at airports, when we used to travel, you know, can Mm. give him a hard time. Um, You know, things happen. He was, he's on the high school wrestling team and that's been a real challenge. Um, So he, I think it's been helpful that we've let him acknowledge that it stinks, right? That it can Mm -hmm. be difficult. But we have tried to stress that he can do, you know, what he wants to do if he takes care of things. And it's not perfect. We've definitely had our moments. He's also, we're really fortunate. He's really just a pretty happy, easy kid. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that makes a difference. I'd love to take credit for that, for my fabulous parenting. (laughs) But, um, but it's been, it's been quite, I mean, the hardest thing, honestly, is when you have a child who has a chronic condition from their very young age. Mm. And, you know, it's it's everything from we used to do everything for him, you know, check his blood sugar, give the shots, connect the pump, you know, charge the pump. Do you have insulin in your pump? All this stuff to now he's 16. I got to let him do it on his own. And if the pump runs out of insulin in the middle of the night. Yeah, I've got to let him learn how to deal with that. Right. Yeah, you know, that's got to be so hard. Uh, so it's really it's a it's a journey for all of us <laughs> yeah I mean as a now empty nester and it actually I shouldn't even say now like it just happened I've been oh, an wow. empty nester for a couple of years but I'm still in transition but uh you know just just that amount of letting go without the complications of of diabetes and having a pump that you know with all the care of the pump itself and all of that um yeah but yeah it's ugh. Parenting is hard. <laughs> and it never ends. You know, I used to, I just recently started joking about this, but I, I stopped joking and I put it into some of my talks because I just realized um, there, there is no finish line, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I have a 19 year old daughter. She's in college. You have a, you, like you said, you're an empty nester. Mm-hmm. It's not as though you just, you know, oh, we're done. The end. Right, right. It, it just keeps. <laughs> Punch it, out. It evolves, right. <laughs> it evolves and it changes. Yeah. And we really don't ever finish. So to me, once I realized that it kind of changed, I mean, I used to joke my parenting was all about like, grow up and get out of my house. That was my goal. And it still is. It still is. But I think your focus changes when you realize, wow, even if they leave, they're, they're you know, you're not done. Yeah. Yep. They're just a little farther away and you don't, you don't have the visual, you know, <laughs> confirmation of what's going on. So, oh, well, I'm really glad that you shared that because I think that's, going to be really helpful for others about, you know, just the, again, getting a little bit into the the life and the realities of, of dealing with diabetes. Yeah. That- I think if I could just say, I think too, you know, I know a lot of your listeners are, are advocates and leaders and, and, you know, they, there's all these really best practices about things when, when your advocacy and your, your leadership in your community is also about your, your life, right. Your health condition or your parenting. I think it's also just really important to have some boundaries mm-hmm. as I've already alluded to, you know, we don't talk about him a ton on the show. I run things by him if we're going to discuss it, you know, if there are issues or some questions that people have. And I think that's okay to do if it's you as an individual as well. Sometimes we want to share and overshare and, you know, in, in, in the, in the hopes to educate or help. But I, I just also do like to say that I think it's okay to have some boundaries there. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes. Always. And that is the, 
But it's been the theme, I think, of of um, many of my conversations mm. in the last like week and a half, oddly. Hmm. Like, where's the <laughs> message there? But um, everything from, yeah, you know, combine all of you and, and show up versus, but yeah, always. But it's it's finding that line, right, of where where is the boundary? What, what, what am I comfortable with versus, uh, yeah, what do I really need to share to make the full impact? And it's a decision that each individual has to make. And really, I think we all make on the fly, kind of. You, you know, know, it might have, it might change moment to moment. It really might. I don't think there's anything wrong. And, and most of the time, it's not as clear cut as this, the example I'm going to give you. But I, I do make a ton of decisions on the fly, as you said. But there are some that I actually have written down. I have to write things down mm-hmm. um, that help guide me. And those are basic things about my son's health that a lot of diabetes parents share online. And I'm just uncomfortable leaving that kind of digital trail of breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're familiar with diabetes at all, and everybody has an A1C, which is a measurement um, over three months of how your blood sugars are doing. And those are often shared as a measure of how are you doing with your diabetes? Mm-hmm. And I stopped sharing my son's online when he was about six years old. Mm-hmm. And I, because a friend pointed out that, you know, that's like putting your cholesterol or your weight or whatever on yeah. the internet. Why would you do that? Yeah. And I'd never thought about it that way. So I wrote like, I made a list of things I won't share. So that's okay to do too. Absolutely. I totally agree. And then circumstance specific, like there are certain things that I share with clients only because, you know, and I keep those like way in the back pocket, you know, just if the circumstance really arises and I feel a call to like, this is so well aligned. And I do think that they could find hope or motivation or inspiration or something from this, then, then I will do it. But yeah, it's not ever going to be something that I share loud and wide. Right. (laughs) Um, so thank you so much for all of that you've shared. And, you know, you're talking to a bunch of people that are making an impact in the world or maybe just getting started. So what words of wisdom do you have for others who want to make their own impact in the world? I would say to not underestimate the power of your own story. You know, you never know how your story is going to affect someone. I, um, I'll, I'll give a quick example. I interviewed a gentleman recently. And he is one of these super athletes. He has, he's training for an Ironman. He's done tons of marathons and tough mutters, but he was diagnosed with type one diabetes in his twenties. And he had been erroneously told that he couldn't be active and he was terribly depressed. And the thing that helped him (laughs) is this wild story of Mary Tyler Moore, who of course is the (laughs) actress. Unfortunately, she's passed away, but she lived with type one. And he read this story about her that she was driving around I don't know if it was right after her diagnosis or if she just had a bad day eating donuts and being like, F you diabetes. Like I'm not, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. And of course she did do that often because she did live a long and healthy life. Yeah. But reading that uh, story about her resonated with him on some level that you would never expect. So, you know, when you tell your story, whether it's about a chronic health condition or success in business, writing a book or cooking a meal or anything, You never know who it's going to impact. So I would just say, share your story, share what you're comfortable sharing, share what makes sense to you, but put it out there. And, you know, when we, in the heyday of blogging, right, of course, you know, a lot of people were encouraged to do this, but there are so many ways to still do it. So I I think one of the impediments that many people let get a hold of them is, well, who cares what I have to say, right? Uh, Everybody has my story. Tell your story. 
and see where it leads you. I love that. And that is so true. And even if it's a story that has been heard by others, there's your own story is still your unique story and you're going to tell it in your own way. And it might impact someone who's heard something similar many times, but it's just going to hit them, you know, like, like the other times haven't. I also, it also makes me think of a, a quote that I heard years ago, tell your story first. So you give the gift to others that they could tell their story next. So now they realize they're not alone, you know? So if it's something that they've been, you know, maybe they're carrying guilt or shame about or something, or it's just been hard to talk about for whatever reason, you know, if someone else shares a story that's similar, oh, wow, I'm not alone. And, oh, yeah, now I can go next. And it's not, you know, such a big deal. And now they can have that freedom of, of releasing it. And who knows what, how their story will impact people. I, and I always, always, I have always found that because I started my blog years ago and I think three people read it, Kirsten, to be honest with you, <laughs> but it, it helped me yeah. immensely. It helped me so much to get that story out, just yeah. to talk about it and, and share it really kind of helped me sort through it. Mm-hmm. Organize your thoughts. And yeah. yeah, there is so much power in yeah, getting it out in whatever way you do. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for all the so important work that you're doing. Um, So many people need to hear, you know, the new technology. And I'm sure the community is so helpful. Um, No one is alone. And so all the work that you're doing to help um, get information out to everyone. And uh, sounds like even the doctors at times. (laughs) So, so thank you for all that important work. And if you want to connect with Stacy, you can find her at stacysims.com. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-I-M-M-S.com. And all of her information will also be, and we've got social media. She's Stacy Sims on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> uh, and All of that information will be on the show notes for today. And you can find those by going to defeatthedrama.com, click on the podcast tab, and then go to episode 193. And I just want to offer to you, if you're having some kind of challenge and making your impact, grab a spot on my calendar. I'm saving a few precious spots. And you can grab yours by going to defeatthedrama.com forward slash call. You're going to get some kind of leadership, impact, personal breakthrough in 15 minutes. I'm giving you 30, but we'll have that breakthrough in 15 minutes. So please take advantage of that. I really look forward to talking with you. And if you're on Clubhouse, make sure to find me there as well. You can find me at Kirsten R. Vogel. All right, get out there, make your great impact, and have an amazing day. 